we're thankful for the blood of Jesus. Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 30, towards the end of the book we call 1 Samuel. <laughs> and as we continue our series on Sunday morning on treasures of the darkness, treasures of the darkness, and we'll let you remain seated for a moment, but we'll look at this scripture here in just a moment. Just want to share a few thoughts with you as we get into our our message this morning, and I, I, I think about that song, how that it is clear when you study God's Word that people uh, throughout history, from the creation of mankind, people have always been saved the same way. It's always been by grace through faith. And that's the only way to be saved, and this morning we're going to look, as we've just been looking at some, some treasures that God has in His Word that come from dark times, and I, I think that's uh, what the Lord laid on my heart when I think about this series, uh, the time we find ourselves in our history, and we think about the person we're going to look at this morning, David. David was, uh, of course, the Bible describes him as the psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel. David, of course, was used as a king to lead God's people. There were a lot of great things in David's life, but David also, like many of us, had things that shouldn't have been in his life. David was not a perfect person, just like none of us are. But you have to understand that one thing we do know is that because David lived in Old Testament times, that David lived before the cross. David lived at a time where people looked forward to what was going to happen that God's Son would come into the world and give His life so that they could have eternal life. And by faith, they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, just like we who are living after the cross. We weren't there when Jesus was crucified. We look back to the time that Jesus gave His life, that we might have a home in heaven someday. And that is our earnest prayer this morning, that if you're here and you do not know the Lord is your Savior, that you would accept Him before it's eternally too late. But as we look at this passage this morning, I was thinking about many things this week and thinking about David's life. Of course, a lot of us know about David. We know the story where the prophet Samuel, uh, God had told him that he wanted him to go and anoint who would be the next king. Because remember, Saul was not being the king that God wanted him to be. And of course, the people of God's people said, look, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. And you know, you need to be careful about what you ask for because you just might get it. And that's what happened. God gave them a king. Saul was not the king that he should have been. And so Samuel comes to the house of Jesse. Now, Jesse in the Bible was David's father. Jesse had many sons, the Bible says, and most of us know the story where uh, Samuel comes to anoint the king and all of Jesse's sons, one by one, beginning at the eldest and just going right down the line, Samuel says, nope, this isn't him. Nope, this is not him either. He goes through all the sons and remember that when he got done, God basically said, you haven't met the next king yet, Samuel, and Samuel looks over at Jesse and says, do you have any more sons? And remember, uh, Jesse just kind of says, well, I have one more. He's out watching the sheep, almost as if he's insignificant. They call David. David comes and 
Of course, David is anointed as the next king. And what's interesting is, is that David was anointed the next king while Saul was still on the throne. There was going to be a time period before David would assume the throne. Before David would become the king of God's people, there was this time frame, which what we're going to look at this morning is in that time frame. Now, God did promise to David that one day that he would be the king. And of course, as, as you think about this, all of these events that I just shared with you, they took place in a town known as Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem, again, if you, I, I don't have the luxury here this morning, but if I were to say, for instance, this right here, if you could see it, maybe that that right there might represent Bethlehem. And what David would eventually do is everything in his life, around his life, began in Bethlehem, the, the calling of him, God dealing with his heart, God showing him some things about his life, that David was eventually going to go from Bethlehem to where one day he would become the king in Jerusalem. And let's just say, for sake of illustration, we will call over here Jerusalem. And so David would make this journey eventually in his life as he is anointed by Samuel, that eventually he would make his way to Jerusalem and there he would assume the throne of, of the kingdom of God's people. And so this journey, now think about this, this journey from Bethlehem to Jerusalem was only about a six-mile journey, six miles. Bethlehem was just south of Jerusalem. And David would eventually make this journey, but as we come upon our passage this morning, before David could go from what we would call point A to point B, God was going to send David through a very dark experience in his life. A lot of times we, we want the simplest path. We want the least resistance. We want our lives to just be free. Wouldn't it be nice just to have a life free of, of all our troubles and trials and dark times and all the things that we experience and all the anxiety that we go through and all the depression and all those things that go along with it? It sounds like a simple life. But God would have David to go through this very dark experience to a city known as Ziklag. Now what's interesting is, is that the word Ziklag actually means winding. It means a bending, a turning. It means to be pressed beyond measure. If you could say to God this morning... I dare say most of us would say, hey, listen, Lord, that's okay, I'll pass on Ziklag. I'd just soon not be bent, I'd just soon not have to turn, I'd just not soon like to be pressed beyond measure. I think I just want to go from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. But as we see in our passage this morning, it's kind of interesting, I spent a little time looking up these words and and, and want to share a few thoughts with you this morning, but the word Bethlehem, Beth and Lehem. Beth means house. Lehem means bread. David was in the house of bread, plentiful. He was enjoying life. And God says, look, I, David, eventually you're going to become king, and 
The word Jerusalem, you can also dissect that word. Jeru actually means to flow from or to point toward. Salem or Shalem is actually the word for peace or it, it deals with completion, wholeness. So even though David was enjoying, and by the way, you might be enjoying the Christian life too. You might be in your house of bread right now. Things are good, and eventually, watch this, God's going to allow us to go from our Bethlehem to our Jerusalem, from point A to point B, to where, watch, eventually, because of what the Lord does in our lives, God is the one that makes us complete. God is the one that makes us whole. God will point the way in our lives to where that which he has done in our lives, that we will be a more complete, we will be more like Christ. Everybody with me this morning? But see, for David's life and for many of us, going from point A to point B is a little bit different. Because David had a, a situation that came up in his life, Ziklag, when you look at it, go back to the map there for just a second, and I appreciate these guys helping me out this morning. But listen, from point A to point B, if you think about Ziklag, Ziklag isn't in here. If you look at that map, Ziklag is in the opposite direction. Sometimes in our lives, we, we just want to connect the dots. We just want to go from here to here to there. But God says, no, no, David. As a matter of fact, I want you to go to Ziklag before you go to Jerusalem, before you become the king. And so if you notice here, that is not exactly the, the direct route that David probably wanted. Ziklag is 52 and a half miles south of Bethlehem. So instead of going from point A to point B, he went from point A to Ziklag and then to point B. Are you with me? You understand this morning? I'm just trying to show you because a lot of times in our minds we have to understand what is going on in the Word of God. God had a Ziklag for David between point A and point B. God may have something like a ziklag for you this, this morning, this week, this month, this year. I don't know what it is, but I, I'll just share with you this morning something that encouraged me as I studied the Word of God. So take your Bibles this morning. And by the way, let me share this as I move on. Ziklag, it, it actually means that God was going to send David through a time of, the word ziklag actually means like a smelting down, like a melting down. You know, he was going to take him from the house of bread to a place where he would be smelted, where he would be melted down, where he would be changed so that God could use him in a greater way for when he got to Jerusalem. And so look in chapter 30 and verse number 1. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men, they came to the city. 
behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. See what I said this morning, it's important that you know the Lord. Here in this passage, we see that God had David go through this situation, that God had David go to Ziklag. The Bible mentions here, as, as you think about this situation where David now has is, is really been with the Philistines and David is coming back, but while they were gone, this, this other nation, Amalekite, that all the Amalekites had come in and, of course, they had not guarded the, the city of Ziklag. And, and while they are gone and they're making their way back home, the Amalekites come and they, of course, take all the wives and sons and daughters and they burn the place to the ground. God allows David to go through this. And God has something, just like in David's life, God has something for you and I this morning that he is preparing for us Somebody said it this way, whatever God has for your life, God in his great wisdom prepares you to do it, whatever it is. Whatever it is that God has, God will prepare you. I think a lot of times when you talk about the will of God, many people don't understand the will of God. They think God's will is something that is out there that we cannot know it. That is what many people think, that it's something beyond our understanding. I love this simple definition, and I hope you see it this morning. God's will is living in the spirit of obedience to the Lord each day of your life. That's what God's will is. You say, well, I, I just want to know what God's will is. Here it is. God's will is you obey God every day of your life. And listen, while you are obeying God, God will bless your life and God will show you what he wants you to do. That is exactly what the word of God teaches us when Abraham wanted a bride for his son. Remember how in the Bible it records that he sent his servant? And I love how the servant uh, testified in Genesis 24, 27. He says, I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my mother's, uh, my master's brother. And he says, look, I was in the way. I was right where I needed to be because this servant was doing what he was supposed to be doing. The Lord led him. You know, that's why many Christians don't understand, don't find themselves in the will of God is because they are not in the way. They are not doing what God is called them to do what God has saved them to do. God will lead you as you trust him, as you obey him. We don't have to figure out the path. You know why? Because God knows the way. God knows what's on the path. God knows what's coming up in the future. When God led David to Ziklag, God knew what David was going to find. When he went there on that day, 
I love what W.A. Criswell said. He said, if you ever believe God is going to use you, if God ever uses you in a great way, he is going to break your heart and enlarge the capacity of your life, not enlarge it to care, but enlarge it for God to take control of your life. It's just like what Paul said to the church in Corinth. He said there in 2 Corinthians 6, 11, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Do you know that that is how we can love with a greater capacity is by having our heart broken? David came upon this scene and here's the whole city burned to the ground. His wives are gone. His children are gone. I mean, what, what a situation he comes upon. It broke his heart. The Bible says he was distressed. The people were grieved. This was hard for them to understand. God will break your heart and God will give you and me a greater capacity to love. And the question this morning is, do you want the Lord to do something special with your life? Listen, God was planning to do something very special with David but he had to prepare him for it. You think about your life. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, well, who am I? I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You're someone that the Lord loves. Many times we think that we are insignificant, like Jesse may have thought of David. Oh, he loved David as his son, but he never thought David could be the king. God had something very special. And I'm going to tell you this morning, I believe with all my heart, God has something special for each and every one of us. But God will prepare us for whatever it is that he wants for us. And that preparation many times will take us through a Ziklag. As we look at this situation, the Bible records in our text, and I want you to see it again. That the Bible says in verse number three, David and his men, notice that word there. They came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captive. The Bible records in other places, talks about David and his mighty men. Now you, you think of this situation here. There were actually 600 men that made up David's fighting force, but really there were only just a little over 30 of them that were referred to as David's mighty men. These were men that were fearless. They were courageous. No one could defeat them. There's an amazing uh, band of men that had traveled around. They had been chased in, in the word of God by Saul's soldiers. 3,000 of Saul's soldiers had chased them, and here they are. They're still alive. They're still surviving, and they're still uh, warring against them. And look, when we think about how these men, they loved their families. They cared for their families. They provided for their families. But on this particular day, coming back from really a situation where they found themselves with the Philistines, they come back and they look over this hill. This isn't an actual picture of Ziklag, but I just wanted to throw a visual up there this morning that this is probably something similar to what they might have seen. Ruin. Seemed like all was lost. So many people's lives these days are just like this. I used to have this. I used to have this security. I used to have this job. It's all gone. 
every last bit of it. Maybe it's not burned with fire, but what we used to have, what we used to relish, and we used to boast about, it's all gone. Every last bit of it. I see these brave soldiers, these fearless men, their wives and their families, sons and daughters. They'd all been taken captive. It seemed like everything they had. The Bible says they were so troubled. Think about this. These, these grown soldiers, these men of, of valor are standing there. And the Bible says they began to weep. And I know a lot of times people don't like to see men cry. But the Bible says they began to weep. They began to weep until they did not have any more power to weep. That's amazing. They had cried all they could cry. They had shed every tear that they could shed. These men that were fearless are now weak. They're helpless. The Bible records they're fallen to the ground. And the Word of God says again in verse number 4 that they had no more power to weep. And all of a sudden they begin to whisper among themselves. And that whisper begins to get a little louder. And it starts to turn into a murmur. And they begin to look at each other and they said... You know, someone has to be blamed for this. This is someone's fault. You know, they're always going to point the finger. Somebody has to answer for what's happened. And at that moment, if you can imagine, all of them turn their attention and they look at David. Because everything rises and falls on leadership. David hadn't made it to Jerusalem yet. Found himself in Ziklag. Here's these mighty men that had been trapped. Men that had said that they would give their lives for David. And now the Bible says they spake of stoning him. What is David to do? Well, notice what the Bible tells us here. That David, first of all, at Ziklag, he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know, when you find yourself in a situation like David, you're not going to find encouragement sometimes from family. Maybe family isn't around. You're not going to find encouragement from friends because just like David, friends turn on you. Where else could I go but to the Lord? You see, when we have no one else to turn to, God is always there. The Bible says David encouraged himself, and we ought to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Here's David, this man that would become the king of Israel, that when David had uh, earlier uh, in his life, and David had, had of course, uh, helped in so many ways that one day that the thousands would sing praises of David's name. But here David is, and they're not singing his praises in this particular passage. David is all alone. David killed Goliath, that giant of a man. Thousands of people were singing his praises. Everybody wanted to be around him. Everybody wanted to be his friend. David grew up in a, a rather large family and, of course, enjoyed the time with his family. And David looked around on this particular day in Ziklag when the city was burning and all of his family was gone. And David realized, my family's not here. You've been in that situation. God led me away from my 
my immediate family many, many years ago when I was a 30-year-old man. And listen, I am glad and grateful for the wife and the children that I have. But there are times in our lives where we find ourselves all alone. There's no one to turn to. David grew up in a rather large family and he loved his parents. But in this passage, his parents weren't there. His siblings weren't there. It was just him. Those 600 men that were with him, they, they really didn't want to be with him anymore. They were blaming him for what had happened. I love how David comes to the understanding here that God had allowed this to happen. David probably thought to himself, where, where was God? Why, why would God allow this to happen? What he needed to realize, and you and I do too in situations like this, is God is nearer than we realize. Somebody made the statement, man's extremities are God's opportunities. This was yet just another opportunity for God to work. God will make those opportunities, and God had brought David to the place where David had no one else to turn to but him. God says, David, what are you going to do now? Who are you going to go to now, David? David was so heartbroken. The Bible says he was distressed. I mean, look, folks, don't get me wrong. I love education. I love learning things. Books and education are great. I never downplay them. But those things should never replace God, time with God, spending time with the Lord. If God's going to do something in your life, then God is going to work in it until God gets you to the place where it's just you and him. You see, that wasn't like that when David was at Bethlehem. God was going to have to take him to Ziklag so that God could get his attention. And I see in the Bible where God has done this in other people's lives, where oftentimes God will remove all other people and all other things in our lives. Remember that conversation that Jesus had with Peter? He said this to Peter in John 21. So when they had dined, Jesus said unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, he says, Lovest thou me more than these? We had a discussion a couple weeks ago what those these were. Maybe in the immediate text, it might have been fish. Peter, by trade, before Jesus had saved him and called him, he was a fisherman. I don't know if it was smelly fish. I don't know what it was. But I thought to myself, do I love the Lord more than anything or anyone else? Hey, listen, sometimes we get distracted, and that is why God may have to take us somewhere like he took David to where we are all alone with no one else but God. And when we find ourselves there, what do we do? We encourage ourselves in the Lord. That's what David did. God will bring us to the end of ourselves to discover again that he is our all in all, 1 Corinthians 8, 6. But to us, there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. See, when David encouraged himself in the Lord, think about this, this morning in your hands or there at home, you have in your hands the word of God, the Bible. David didn't have what we call the Bible today. I mean, David certainly knew of many of the stories in the Bible, but David didn't have the Word of God as we had it. David knew about how there was a man by the name of Noah many years before him that had lived and stood for God 
and, and, and preached uh, repentance and trying to get people to turn to God. And he knew that God came through for Noah. David knew the story in the word of God about Abraham, who God instructed him to leave where he was and didn't give him uh, directions. He didn't have a GPS. The only thing he had was God and how God was with Abraham. David knew that. David knew about Joseph. Joseph, as a maybe a 17 or 18-year-old boy, was sold into slavery and how he stayed faithful to God and God raised him up from the prison and God allowed him to a place of prominence for his people. And David thought of these stories in the Word of God and David thought that it wasn't about these men. It wasn't about who they were. It was about the God that they knew and the God that they served. This morning, it's not about you. You see, when we find ourselves in a ziklag, it's about God. What is God doing? What is God up to in our lives? And that is what David was learning here, that God was working. See, the longer that I live and hopefully the longer that you live, you and I will continue to discover how God time and time and time again is proving himself to us. Look at the Bible says in Isaiah 48.10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Wouldn't it be nice to go to, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem? Just an easy six-mile walk. Why go 52 miles out of our way? Because God has something very special for us in Ziklag. God was doing something in David's life, and we find ourselves just like David in those 600 mighty men that, that really honestly could, could just uh, destroy other warring nations. But here they were. They were helpless, and they were hopeless, and there was nothing that they could do to change the situation. And listen, in our lives, when things begin to happen, honestly, I, have you figured it out yet? It is beyond our control. There's nothing we can do about it either. God puts us in these situations so that he can work. And David, if he was ever going to be fit to be God's king, he was going to have to learn a valuable lesson at a place known as Ziklag. Somebody said, it is not what you are going through. It is where God is taking you. God was taking David somewhere. God had something special. And I, again, I said it earlier, I really believe that God has something special for your life. I believe that God is building a man and God is building a woman this morning to do something very, very special. I told Brother Kenny this week that God stirred my heart that, listen, out of our church, our church ought to be starting churches that out of our church, men and women ought to be called of God, just like the church in Antioch, to go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, folks, let's forget about ourselves and let's encourage ourselves in the Lord. Let's say, look, there is something that God is going to do in our lives, but he's going to do it through the furnace of affliction. This is why David had to encourage himself. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren... Be strong, not in your flesh, not in your degree, not in your family, your pedigree. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God will strengthen us. God did it for David. Look, you know what I love about David? David didn't die at Ziklag. 
you and I, listen, God might lead us to a Ziklag, but it's not a dying place. It's a place for us to learn that we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord, go forward in His strength. Why? Because He's promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us. God is with us. George Mueller, who was used mightily for God, notice what he said. He said, I read the Bible not for any other man on the earth, but I read the Bible for my own heart and for my own soul. He said, I don't read the Bible to teach it or preach it. He said, I read and study the Bible for my own soul. That's why Mueller read the Word of God. It encouraged him. Folks, we need to be in God's Word, spending time encouraging ourselves in the Lord and we will not encourage ourselves in the Lord without a ziklag. David would have never come to this place in his life had God not gotten him alone at the city known as Ziklag. And you and I are going to have our times where God is going to try to teach us something. And it's the same thing that God was teaching David, that God is able. Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When you're alone, you're going through your ziklag, whatever it may be, and there is no one else there but God. It is then and only then that you will come to know Him for who He is. And the question this morning is, do you know Him? I pray that you know Him. And that you will learn from him what David learned when he went to Ziklag. David encouraged himself in the Lord, and we do too. We need to encourage ourselves. Notice, secondly, this morning that at Ziklag, that we need to understand that we must die to self. Now, this is difficult. You know why? Because of the old flesh. We love ourselves too much. And we don't want to give up self. There's too many things we enjoy in life. David was enjoying the life that he had. But can I share with you what the Bible says in Romans 6, 11? Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Galatians 2, 20, Paul's testimony, I am crucified with Christ. Notice, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. But he says, nevertheless, even though I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we've got to die to self. Our ideas, our plans, our dreams, our, our, our schemes, all these things must die. And God will not take us through this experience in our lives until all is dead. We need to scrap our plans today and trust in God's plan. What is God's will for my life? Ziklag, again, was not a place to die. It was a place, yes, that David learned to die to self. But notice again what Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. 
You know what David did at Ziklag? He got his priorities in order. He realized that his life had all been about him. And when he got there, he understood it wasn't about him. It was about his God, what God was doing in his life. David got his priorities in order at Ziklag, the things that God has given to us. Look, my wife, my family, even this church, if God has given those things to us, they should never conflict with other things in our lives. They actually should complement the other things in our lives. God is the giver of all things. The most important thing is that you and I would desire, what is it that God wants in my life? Notice what it says in Philippians 2.13. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God wants to work in your life. The Lord not only gives direction to us, but God gives us desire. The Bible says he'll give us the desires of our hearts. He works in our lives in such a way that, that you and I would actually desire to do his will. I want to do thy will. Remember what Jesus said? Not my will, but thine be done. He was God in the flesh. It's just not about what I want. It's about what my heavenly Father wants. We must die to self. And listen, folks, many of us will never come to a place of dying to self until we go through a ziklag. To where God can get us alone with himself. The Lord gives us this desire to do his will. He'll bring us to the place of having, like David did, the right priorities in our lives. God refines us. You had to know, listen, Ziklag had to be a very lonely place for David at that time in his life. But God used that loneliness. God used that time where he felt like there was no one else to bring David to the place of absolute reliance upon himself. Look what it says in Psalm 73. Thus my heart was grieved, I was pricked in my reins, so foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. God's with us. When we go through experiences like this in the dark, God is there with us. He is bringing us to himself. And when we get to those places, we must encourage ourselves in the only place we can find encouragement, and that is in the Lord. We must die to self. And then notice at Ziklag, we seek divine direction. I remember David's life had been all about David. But I want you to notice, look in your Bible this morning in chapter 30. Look at verse number 6 again. The Bible says, David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons, for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Look at verse 7. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord. Did you notice what just happened? 
David realized, you know, what I need to do is I must know what God wants. Why has God allowed me to go through this? So he calls for the priest, and David, you know, you think about David's life as this mighty man and with these men around him, a lot of people would have thought David would have said, okay, let's rise up and fight. But that's not what David did. God was changing him at a place known as Ziklag. When he was all alone, he met God. And the Bible says David wanted to know what God wanted him to do, and David really was saying, I'm not taking another step, I'm not doing another thing, until I know what God wants me to do. You ought to say that in your life. I'm not going to do one more thing. I'm not going to take another job. I'm not going to have another relationship. I'm not going to do this or do that until I know what God wants me to do. That's where David came to. You see, David had tried living by his determination, but what does the Bible tell us? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So here's David. Are you learning something from David this morning? David says, I'm not going another step. I'm not going to go after them until I know what God wants me to do. He calls the priest. He inquires of the Lord. Look back at verse number 8. The Bible says, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover how much? All. What was God's answer? Go after him, David. Pursue. That's much better for us to get direction from the Lord. Acknowledge his way, and he shall direct thy path. Now, let me show you something that God showed me. Because when David did it right, when David said, look, it's not about me, I'm no longer, I, I'm, I'm dying to self. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. God, what do you want me to do? Remember those 600 men that were standing there with stones? That said, hey, look, you're going to pay for this. Look at the next verse, verse 9. So David went... He and the 600 men that were with him. They're with him. Did you get that? They're not stoning him. They're following him. You see, Dad, when you follow the Lord, your family will follow you. Mom, when you do right by God, your children will do right by God. And the Bible says here, that the 600 men that were with him came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men, or 200 abode behind, which were so faint 
that they could not go over the brook Besor. So remember, David had 600. One third of these mighty men were so weak, they couldn't go any further. David leaves 200 of them by the brook Besor. And he takes off after the Amalekites with just 400. And I, I look at this situation, how David inquires of the Lord, and what does God say to him? David, because you died to self, and because you're trusting me, he says, I'm going to let you recover all. Look at verse number 18 of this passage. And David recovered how much? All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David, notice here, rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered how much? All. I look at this situation. And I thought about this, how the story ends here. Isn't it a great wonder to you the way it is to me that God takes the time to invest in our lives? If you study it out, you can go back in the Word of God and look at it yourself. When David was going into cities, the Bible records David, who was not right with God at that particular time, that David destroyed everything. He left, listen, he destroyed everything, including all the people living there. You know what's amazing is, as sinful as the Amalekites were, you know what that tells me is? The Amalekites did not kill the women and the children. They took them captive. That means that God actually had extended more mercy to David than David extended to those that he warred against. See, many times God doesn't give us all that we deserve. God was good to David. God's been good to us. I look at this situation here, and again, God working in our lives, and I love what Jesus said in the New Testament. Look at this verse. Jesus answered them, My Father, notice this word, worketh hitherto. He says, and I work. You know what that verse tells me? that God is working in our lives. He continues to work in our lives. And this situation with David going to Ziklag instead of going to Jerusalem, you know what it helps me remember this morning? That the road to Jerusalem, watch this, is through Ziklag. You want to get to the place of completeness, wholeness? It's going to take you through this place before you can get to that place. In our lives, as we look at this situation, what does Ziklag represent? It represents a place that you and I can encourage ourselves, strengthen ourselves in the Lord. It's a place where we can die to self and we can yield our life to God's will for us. It's a place that I see that we can learn, like David did, to learn to wait on the Lord, to receive divine direction Notice what Jeremiah said. God, he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Jeremiah also said there two verses later, 
He says, ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one moving around. If you would, just sit still for just a moment. I intentionally put that picture of that city burning with fire on the slides this morning because I believe that although for David it represented the city of Ziklag, I really believe that it's a representation of many of our lives. That we leave our lives like they left the city of Ziklag, we leave our lives unguarded. We don't guard what goes in our minds and in our hearts through our eyes and in our ears. We don't guard our children. We don't guard our families, our homes. And we wonder, we wonder why our families, our homes are in the shape they're in. Because we didn't protect them. And just like David, the great man that he was, he was anointed by the prophet to be the next king. But David wasn't right with God when he found himself at Ziklag. And God knew that. And if you're here this morning, it may be in your life that you're not right with God. It might sound odd to you this morning, but I'm glad for times in my life that God took me through a Ziklag to get me right with Him. To get me to the place where I realized more than anything else what I need is the Lord. I need His direction. I need his wisdom. I need to die to self. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Brother Kenny's singing softly this morning. Why don't you come to the Lord this morning? Why don't you come to the altar? Spend some time with the Lord. Maybe God has you right now in a sick lag. Don't wait on someone else. Why don't you come this morning and say, Lord, I'm tired of being in my Ziklag. This morning I'm coming to you to die to self. I'm tired of making my plans because my plans never come to pass. Remember what the first couple words we read in chapter 30 were? And it came to pass. God's will is going to be done one way or the other. Some of you ought to come this morning and say, Lord, whatever lesson it is you want to teach me, I yield to your teaching, to your spirit in my life. If you need to be saved today, why don't you come this morning? We'll take the word of God and show you how you can know that heaven would be your home someday.
the most important decision you'll ever make. If you know the song, sing it with Brother Kenny. I have decided Lord, life would be so much easier if we could just go from point A to point B. Go from our Bethlehem where we're enjoying the blessings of God to go to Jerusalem where our life would be whole, complete. And I know that a lot of times we struggle with, God, why do I have to go through Ziklag? But this morning, from the Word of God and from the life of David, Lord, we've seen the importance of moments like this that might be considered dark times, experiences. But God, there's no darkness in you at all. You are always working in our lives, just like you were trying to get Israel's attention. Thou shall have no other gods before me. And here in this passage this morning, David found himself 52 miles in the opposite direction. And you know what he found there? Not a city burned with fire. He found God. He found you, Lord. He made his priorities right by dying to self. And it was there that you gave him divine direction that he started his journey back. Not just back to Bethlehem, but beyond that, to Jerusalem. I really believe that David became the great king that he was because of a Ziklag experience. And this morning, each and every one of us listening, we will never become what you want us to be without finding out what is between point A and point B. Thank you for teaching us this morning. And we thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.